just understand like what is going on. Like there's no rush. There, there's always another opportunity the next right. day. Right. That, that's that's no a great point. Always. To get into anything, <laughs> right. Nothing. There's no rush to get into anything. Um, so I feel like that's, you know, insanely important now is to, you know, to have that, that backdrop of understanding. It's like, this is now life or death. You know, um, if you do this right, you'll probably do okay. If you do this wrong, like it has very much a domino impact on your life and your family. Welcome to the Wealth Matters podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have with me Kirk Duplessis. Kirk is a full-time options trader, real estate investor, stay-at-home dad, and trading coach. Um, and he's part of Options Alpha team. Kirk, uh, go ahead and please, you know, introduce yourself. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I think you covered the big basics. Um, <laughs> you know, dad, trader, investor, uh, CEO of Option Alpha. So yeah, awesome. So yeah, we have someone who can talk about stocks, uh, I mean options, as well as real estate. So I'm looking forward to this episode. Hope he can convince me to go back to option trading. That's my goal. That's my goal. <laughs> Let's see if we can do it. Yeah. Let's see. So tell us something interesting about yourself. Could be funny, something we wouldn't expect. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing I always tell people that, uh, some people know now, but uh, but I'm blind in my left eye. I've been blind in my left eye. Oh, wow. Your life, so... Um, it was a challenge for sure. And uh, I'd like to think that one day if I ever get my eyesight back in my left eye or ever have eyesight in my left eye, then my world is going to expand by 2x. So I'll have 100% improvement in, in world. But uh, but yeah, that's an interesting fact. So don't don't jump up on my left side. That would be <laughs> a little quick. So uh, my question about... Uh, stock market right so personally i was investing in heavily investing in stock market from 2011 through 2015 ish um, and then i was doing a lot of options futures forex and then decided to get out of it because i just wanted to you know um, enjoy my time i didn't want to keep watching the stock market 24 hours a day (laughs) so do you, uh, but I, I saw that you mentioned that you do, of, of course, option trading. You're the CEO of uh, Options Alpha, but you also invest in real estate. So how do you compare both the assets? You know, I think like I take a approach that pretty much everything is is very similar, you know, on the surface level. I mean, everything is risk and return and right. duration and holding period. And, you know, it's just managing and juggling all those different components. So you know, I do real estate. My wife and I do real estate. Um, she's more of like the real estate side now and she kind okay. of is the real estate. But even within real estate, we have single family homes. We have vacation rentals, student rentals. Uh, I'm an investor in a bunch of syndications. I invest oh, wow. privately, okay. privately into REITs and single unit, you know, triple net properties. Um, so we do a lot of that stuff on the real estate side. We will fix and flip a property here and there. We'll do commercial property. I mean, you know, like we, we still niche down into the different, you know, demographics or the different components of real estate. Right. Um, but then I'm also an angel investor and a venture investor in companies. So I'll be a seed round or, you know, kind of seed plus round investor in companies. 
Um, that in addition to options trading and regular investing. I mean, yeah, I, I look at all of them as how can I build the most robust wealth portfolio, if right. you will. And, you know, they each have their own group and category, but I'm very much a believer in like seeding different things and then letting it grow by itself. So like the money that we've, for, for real estate, for example, we invested in real estate seven, eight years ago was when we started. Uh, actually, almost 10 years ago is when we actually first bought our primary house and then converted over. But um, I look at that and I say, okay, that was money I seeded in that stuff. And then everything I've you know gotten from houses that we've sold or rental income, whatever, I don't take. I just reinvest into that same asset class, right? So right. they all kind of grow on their own without this like continuous investment. And that's how I look at anything else that might, you know, come along. So it, it's not like I, every month I'm taking $200 and putting it into real estate. Real estate was funded years ago and just continues to grow. And that's how I look at it. That, that's interesting. Also, you are very well diversified. And I always talk yeah. about diversification is the key because most of the fund managers talk about diversification, but then they only tie you into a stock market. You are still yeah. tied to Wall Street. But you know, now that you are in real estate and on top of that, you have diversified in different asset types as well as investment types from syndications to, to triple net. Yeah, and, yeah, and I believe in to. those. Um, yeah. And on top of that, uh, you mentioned the seed investing. That's interesting because I, I, I come from startup world as well. So I'm always excited about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, like that's been fun for me over the last couple of years because, you know, Option Alpha was you know, kind of came out of nowhere. I had no intentions of option alpha becoming what it is, but now that it is what it is and, you know, Inc 500 company twice and growing at a really good pace, I, I feel like I have at least a little bit of insight into maybe what things may or may not work, right. but ultimately it's still a, you know, speculative bet. So it's a small seed investment and maybe I can offer in many cases, you know, like, you know, advice or consulting or like right. direction to companies, you know, like, you know, Hey, don't do that. Like we tried that for two years and that didn't work, you know? Right. Uh, yes. So where I feel like I can add value, I think that helps. That's awesome. So how did option alpha started? So very much a organic thing. Um, when I left New York and went to BB&T and DC as a read oh, analyst, okay. um, had, you know, ideas about trading, wanted to trade more, really had my hands tied for trading, you know, for the most part as an analyst um, for all the security stuff, but really started to get deep into options again and, and understand more about options and, and kind of, you know, try to find the thing that worked for me. Um, on my side, Option Alpha was just a blog for me to, to chat, you know, by myself. Um, are you there? Oh, there you go. You're back. Um, so yes, Option Alpha was originally just a blog and it was on the old Google blog spot, if you remember. Oh, that. wow. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. So that's, <laughs> that's where it started. And I knew that I needed to journal my thoughts. And some of the original blog posts are, you know, two or three sentences. You hmm. know, I was either frustrated with the market or, you know, right. happy that something happened or, you know, just pointing things out. So eventually people started asking questions because there weren't that many blogs out at that time. And I started answering questions and then people asked more questions and I got the same questions over and over again. Somebody said eventually at some point, probably, Hey, why don't you make a video? So I made a video to answer questions on, you know, what is Delta or what, you know, how do you choose a strike price? What is an expiration month? And I started making all these videos and I would send out an email with, you know, 40 or 50 links to videos. <laughs> and I distinctly remember somebody saying, you know, it would be really helpful if you just 
put this into a, a course, right. you know, like a video course. I was like, well, yeah, that would be helpful because then you would stop emailing me and right. uh, <laughs> you wouldn't email me anymore if it was there. So we put it into courses, people started asking for software. I mean, just, and so that really was and continues to be the progression of Option Alpha is this uh, relationship between, you know, me and people out there, which I really enjoy them asking questions, us trying to figure it out. Uh, if we have the answer, point them to the right direction. If we don't know, if we feel like we could add research or build a piece of software, then we do it. And so now we're more of a software research-based company, but still very much have our roots in education. So That's awesome. So uh, let, let's jump into the options market, right? What are stock options? So stock options, it's really simple on the very high level. And that is that they are a contract that derives its value from some underlying asset. And so I always explain it that way because the options market physically sits on top of the underlying securities and the underlying assets like stocks, right. ETFs, indexes, commodities, futures, all that. You yeah, still okay. have the options market on top of it. And it's just a, and I don't know if, how much time, we can get so far into the weeds here, but <laughs> the options market is, uh, is just a way to trade a product that is leveraged, which is the right. important point. I was going to man. yeah. That's leveraged, <laughs> that controls an asset or has some sort of properties around controlling an asset for obviously a reduced cost. So as I always say, leverage is like medicine. A little bit can help, a lot can kill you. And I feel like right. people see the leverage and the price of option contracts and they you know, generally understand it, but then they, they overdose you know, with right. leverage and right. risk. Um, which is where they get hurt. So options are wonderful because they can create complex payoff diagrams. You can really kind of manipulate and maneuver the payoff of a potential trade or, you know, a series of trades. Uh -huh. And I feel like to me, the, what's always been attractive to me about that is the ability to control the environment to some degree on what and how things work. So, right. So yeah, pretty much stock options in my world. Uh, and I'm just trying to tie it to real estate that if you want to buy Amazon stock, 3000 bucks. If you want hundred stocks, it's 300 grand. You don't want to put 300 grand, right? So you end up buying a call uh, yep. for maybe 10 grand or something like that. Five, 10 grand. I don't know what's the value today. 10, maybe it could be 15 grand, but it's the same way uh, in real estate you are, when you are acquiring a million dollar property, you are putting 200, 300 grand down and the rest is carried back by bank, right? So or you options could say, are similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the analogy I use often is just like a wholesaling contract, right? So like you can get a contract wholesale on a house. Yes, that's true. You get the, the contract signed and then you can sell that contract and it's still tied to that same house, yeah. right? So it's just the trading of the contract yeah. back and forth. Um, might, might be a more, you know, uh, synonymous, so. Right. No, that's a good, great analogy, actually. <laughs> so what are different ways option investors can make money? I mean, look, the, the idea with options is, and if people really get, you know, get into it, like I said, options are really unique in that. Let's take stock, for example. So stocks are one directional, right? right. They're, they're really easy for people to understand. There's only two ways to make money in stocks. And people don't actually know this. I'm not used They don't to know the second thing. side. Of it. Right. <laughs> Bye. Or, you either buy low and sell high or sell right. high and buy low. So you mm -hmm. either have to do one of those two in, in order, right? And so the same concept holds true with options, except that you can create payoff diagrams by combining different components of option contracts, calls and puts, short and long. You can combine calls, puts, short, long, all in the same strategy to build payoff diagrams that 
ultimately profit from whatever environment you think that a stock might go through or an index might go through. So like I'm a real big fan of trading neutral risk defined strategies. So I build a payoff diagram that says, okay, as long as the stock stays between X level and Y level, then I can make some money, right? I don't care where it goes. I don't care if it goes more towards X or more towards Y. I don't care if it pinballs back and forth, but as long as I can build a payoff diagram around that you know, structure, then I'm comfortable taking the risk. And the beautiful thing about options is that when you have an environment like that where you can control the payoff and you can control the components of risk and reward, you basically can figure out what the expected outcome of a position is versus guessing right. with stocks. And so when you control the expected outcome, now you have something extremely powerful, which is, you know, exactly, you know, or have an expect expectation of how much it's going to win and how often it's going to win. Now you can reverse engineer an entire portfolio to do things really, really that you couldn't do in a regular stock position. Um, so that's why everybody should be trading options. Right. So, and when you mentioned about neutral, uh, are you talking about like strangles or straddles, iron condors? Yeah, those are components. Yeah. So strangles and straddles are undefined risk. I'm more of a iron condor, iron yeah. butterfly. Yeah. Know, iron butterfly, iron condor. Then you exactly yep. know how much you're risking. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question. I invested in options heavily in 14 and 15 and um, I thought of it as gambling. Right. So how do you de-risk yourself? And you kind of mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, flies, et cetera. But yeah. what do you actually look for in the options and how do you, do you look at IVs or et cetera as well? Yeah. I mean, one, you don't look at it as gambling, right? So like that's a, <laughs> you know, that, that would be the, the first thing is, right. Don't look at the market as, as a gamble, because if you look at the market as a gamble, you're going to behave like a gam, you know, gambler my thought process on options trading and all investing in general is that there has to be an ex a positive expected outcome. And so if you can't derive mathematically what the positive expected outcome of a strategy is over the long term, then you either a shouldn't trade that strategy or you should try to understand how you can generate a positive expected outcome. So if you have that lens, which is what I don't think that a lot of investors, you know, use as their lens for evaluating positions, portfolios. And this goes for stocks or ETFs or real right. estate or options or whatever. Unless you have a positive expected outcome, you shouldn't be trading. So my concern with a position is not necessarily what is the implied volatility level? What are the technicals showing me? What is the market doing? I, I'm more or less concerned with is the strategy that I'm using in all environments or in this particular environment or environments like this, does it generally generate a positive expected outcome and a margin of performance so much so that I could rely on that moving forward? And if it does, then I'm more willing to entertain the trade than, than the alternative, right? right. So I think that that's, that's the lens I look through it. And you could then take that and extrapolate it to any strategy, right? So a lot of people say, well, I like to you know buy long calls and buy long puts. Great. Just find a version of that that actually generates a positive expected outcome which is hard to do and use that as the basis for your your trading don't just go into the market and say okay what looks good today right like we've we've all been to the supermarket when we're hungry right where we go to the right. store and we just go we're really hungry and we go up and down the aisles we, we don't really think about it we just instinctively buy whatever looks good people do that in trading and that's 
obviously a recipe for disaster. They just yes. walk up and down the aisles and, you know, the tickers and they just look for things that look attractive or, you know, they hear some hot tip and then they go do it. Yeah. All the same stuff that gets us. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Um, Today is July 31st. Yesterday, Amazon and Apple announced their earnings. And of course, I didn't invest, but I know a lot of people were uh, expecting, you know, the outcome, what we are seeing that Amazon and Apple will go through the roof. Sure. If you trade earnings, how would, have tra- how would you have traded, let's say, Amazon or uh, Apple, you know, yeah. using options? So here's <laughs> or most probably you did. I don't know. No, no, I don't trade earnings on uh, Okay. On- on securities and this is an important point. Yeah, so that's like, scary too. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? It's a it's an entire, you know, it's an entire move compressed into a minute, you know, or, right. or a fraction of a minute. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we've already done a lot of research on earnings trades and we know basically two things happen. One, there's a 50-50 shot of the stock it's going up. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and I say that and I say that and people go, yeah, but it's Amazon. Yeah, but it's Apple. No, no, no. We tested all those as well. It's a 50-50 shot of it going up or down. And then the move from the open to the close is also a 50-50 move. So Apple opens higher, there's a 50% chance it closes higher. If Apple, if Amazon opens higher, it's 50% chance it closes higher. To me, there's no statistical edge in, in trading earnings. One, they come off and they come around way too infrequent to make them for me, something that I can rely on time and time. Right, that's Because you go through an earnings cycle, it takes four trades to get through an entire year. So in a high probability mathematical based model, you would need, you know, probably 30 years of data to see if it really worked, right? Mm. You, to get enough yes. trades to, to actually mathematically right. figure out what the returns are going to be. So it just takes too much time. So, I mean, look, I'll, I'll leave that to, to people to gamble and, make a good good choice you know great awesome yeah good for you yeah i mean see 50 percent of the time you could be the best (laughs) right and 50 percent of time you could lose you know the problem was is like um so for amazon and tesla and things like that oh yeah some of the strategies you could have tested on those had the best returns you know like when you looked at the end of the testing period they had the best returns if you you know bought a long call option whatever But in many cases, your drawdown was five years right? uh, and 70%. So I tell people like, it's hard, it's easy to look at things, you know, empirically and say, oh, you could have done this and done well. Yeah, right. But you would have been an idiot to go through five years of drawdowns and 90% of your capital. Like nobody would have, you know, done that rationally, right? They would have bailed on it. So I think it's insanely hard to do. Well, that that's great advice, by the way. So uh, another question I have, what do you personally look at while you are looking at the option strategies? So I, I now figured out that you don't do earnings. Mm-hmm. Are there any other things you look at when you are figuring out this option strategy, of course, uh, how the stock is moving or how the you know entire market is moving? Right, so you think about it this way, right? The best portfolio, so discounting stock, discounting options for a second. When you build out a portfolio, what do you want to do? In a portfolio, you don't want to have asymmetric risk, right? right. You don't want to have, or you don't want to have, you know, this systematic risk that's inherent in the market. 
Uh, so you try to remove that by diversifying your portfolio. You don't just invest in one company, you invest in two, but you don't just invest in two social media companies because that's one and right. the same. That's basically investing in one company. You take some, you know, macro companies, some micro, you know, small mm -hmm. caps, you take some emerging market, you take some bonds, some stocks, et cetera. And the reason you do that is because you want as much uncorrelated risk as possible, right? You don't right. want you don't want all of your trades focused on Tesla and Apple and Amazon because in the off chance they go really bad, which happens a lot, then, yeah. then you're screwed, right? So I take the same approach to options trading, which is that I want to have a portfolio of tickers in my, in my portfolio that represent those different industries and sectors, just like what you would naturally do with the best oh, portfolios around the world. So you take emerging markets and gold and bonds and U.S. stocks, you know, large cap, small cap tech, um, utilities, uh, biotech, retail, right? And I want to trade those consistently throughout my portfolio. So my thought process on it and, and what the research for sure suggests is that doing that on a more systematic basis where you're just coming in and making systematic trades because you know there's an edge and you know that you can help you know, capture that edge by trading a diversified set of positions, it makes the whole process, honestly, of what do I trade and how do I trade a lot easier because you've already predetermined what works. Now you just actually have to execute the orders. So very rarely do I open up my trading platform and say, okay, what do I trade today? Is the market bearish or bullish, right? It's already premeditated. I know exactly what I'm looking for. I go in, I make my trades and I get out, right? And it takes, you know, 15 minutes to do it because it's not that I'm, I know what to look, I know exactly what to look for. I don't have to go hunting for it. Okay. No, that's, that's, that's interesting. So, and how do you manage your options, right? Because when I was doing it, I was always watching the market and that was another emotional drain. Uh, but do you put stop loss and don't, don't even no, look stop at it? Or, are terrible. Yeah. yeah, stop losses are terrible. I would truly encourage, and all the research suggests that not only from us, like we've done more research on options trading than anybody else out there for sure. I would suggest people go really like look up this stuff because not only us, but other people have also, you know, done research, you know, beyond ours um, or like, I guess next to ours and said, yes, like stop losses are not, you know, something you should use. So one, you don't use stop losses. Two, you have to use a strategy that, again, generates a positive expected outcome if you were to do nothing, right? So this is what uh, I try to tell people. It's like, if you have a strategy where you do nothing and you eventually get paid, okay, now you know you can do absolutely nothing. And so anything you do to improve the performance of that is just icing on the cake, right? Interesting. So if you take a piece of real estate, for example, if I put my money into a syndication and I generate a 6% return or whatever it is, I do nothing and I, at, and I get 6%. Right. If I'm going to do something, mean like sweat equity, labor, manage a tenant, manage whatever, I should earn more than 6%, yep. but I may only earn 8%, right? So my additional work that I'm doing, the more movement that I have should be icing on the cake compared to doing nothing. That should be the gold standard for traders especially in options trading, find strategies that if you do nothing, it generates money. And that's how you, I guess, how you like break this cycle of having to manage positions all the yes. time. And I feel like a lot of people, what they do is they, uh, it's the, you heard the analogy in real estate, like lipstick on a pig. Yep. Like a lot of traders, what they do is they find a lot of pigs and <laughs> because they don't know what they're doing, 
And then they try to run around and put lipstick on all these pigs and that gets tiring. Like I would yes. imagine chasing pigs and trying to put lipstick on them is tiring all the time. Instead, find positions that are fundamentally sound based on mathematical expectations, then slightly tweak and improve those positions by making rational adjustments, reducing risk when you can, managing trades early, you know, taking profits off the table. Like all of those things are just icing on the cake. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. Now that I'm, you know, because I'm just going back to my time, 2014, yep. 15, I used to just think or swim and, and they had really good probability, right? You could, yep. you, could, you could figure out how it would work. If I move my, you know, uh, strike price to this, what would I expect? So I was just trying to think about that. So do you uh, use or I, I'm not going to say recommend any, uh, you know, trading platform, yeah. but which trading platform do you use or like? Yeah, so I would dare to say I was probably one of the first hundred clients of the original thinkorswim platform. Oh, so you know the guys, Mike. So I, I met both of them, Mike and... Yeah. So yeah, they started new business now too, right? So yeah. they have new yeah. software. So I still use, yeah, so I still use Thinkorswim. Yeah, it's amazing. Use and recommend, you know, Tastyworks and all those things. Oh yeah, Tasty well, Trades, broker, yep. Yeah, broker <laughs> platforms are, you know, to me are, are uh, becoming more of a commodity, right? Right, right. Um, so we're actually building, in conjunction, we have a partnership with the TD Ameritrade and Thinkorswim where we're actually building um, an auto trading platform that we're going to be releasing soon, oh, okay. that, you know, takes a lot of these components and gives you the ability to, you know, build with no code, just simple frameworks and bots that, you know, run this analysis for you. So we're going to be launching that soon. Um, and that will basically sit on top of all of these other broker platforms nice. you know, that are out there. So, so yeah, so, uh, you know, to me, all the broker platforms. Yeah. Now they are. Uh, Evolved, right? Stuff. Yeah, they at that point, stuff. you know, when TOS or Think of Swim started, it was amazing because. Yeah, they haven't updated uh, it at all. In no, no, they have not. <laughs> it's still the yeah. same. I think it's maybe exactly that's why the they left and started Tasty Trade. So I went to that Tasty Trade office in Chicago when they were starting. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So, uh, what are some of the advice you would have for beginning? option investors? I would say, you know, we already talked about the positive expected outcome, right. right? You know, test your strategies. There's no reason to, you know, fumble through this and not test something out before you actually put money at risk. I feel like it's the easiest win you could have is to, you know, backtest a strategy, run yes. a strategy through a backtester or a simulator just to see what it would do, right? Because you know, you don't know until you actually see what the, the math and the numbers are behind it to know if it's going to work or not. Um, so I think that's an easy, quick win for you that you could do. The second thing is you always have to understand where the trade-off is. And I, I talk about this often, which is there's no free lunch in the market, right? So uh -huh. <laughs> there's clearly a trade-off in everything you do for investing, yeah. whether it's real estate or stocks or venture or angel or options. So you right, have to right. understand both sides of the trade-off. You, you're getting something, some benefit, some reward, but you are giving up something, right? And so what Absolutely. is it that you're giving up? And I think if people understand what they're giving up, then uh, they'll be better investors across the board. What are some of the gotchas or pitfalls of option investing? <laughs> I mean, leverage is a pitfall, right? Following, you know, news. Um, unfortunately, right now, there's a... You know, oh, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, well, there's massive communities right now yes. where, you know, you can get into Facebook groups where people are yes. posting their things. And 
And it's almost become, unfortunately, a game to see, you know, how much you could make or lose in a given day, mm-hmm. like, you know, regardless of the sound strategy. So, you know, my thing, my gotcha for like investors is you, you really have to drown a lot of that out. You know, it, it comes back to very old school mechanics of managing risk, building a portfolio, working a strategy, right, and sticking with it for a really long time. Right. And that's a great point, right? Pretty much cut out the noise because right now, if you are following the news uh, and lots of, because uh, I keep getting emails, right? Lots of these uh, traders or gurus, they provide this copy trade, you know, trade alerts and whatnot. Then then you are just blindly copying what they are doing without even understanding the inherent risk as well as, as you said, the expected outcome, Right. right. <laughs> right, build a strategy. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's okay to watch, you know, what people do. Right. And like, like, I certainly, like, watch a lot of, like, you know, how people behave and how they act. But that doesn't mean that you act on all of it, right? Because, right. you know, you might be different than me or someone else might be different in expectations. So um, I think it's just the understanding component that's missing. Exactly. Yeah, so um, no, th- that's right, because all of us have different risk tolerance, Sure. Yeah, you know, different networks, right? How much risk can you tolerate? Even if you have risk tolerance, maybe I can tolerate still much higher risk than someone else, right? Sure. So that that depends because recently one of my friends, and she just called me three weeks ago and told me, oh, her husband, they were, they both retired. They took early retirement so they can enjoy their lives. They, um, I think they are in their early, uh, not even, yeah. 55, 60s, uh, and then um, she called me that during that market crash in March, her husband had put like 200 grand in options and pretty much lost all of it. And she's like, now I got to file for unemployment somehow. I'm like, oh no. So, so of course we have heard all those kind of stories, but That's... any any success stories as well as horror stories you can highlight? No, I mean, I think, I mean, look, I'll I'll say this, I mean, you know, I've always said for a long time that, uh, and before this, I would say my thought process on options trading and education was, you know, this is important stuff, but it's not life or death, right? Yeah. But I've changed my tune on that because, you know, as many people may know, or if you don't know, you can go look it up. But there was a young Robinhood trader who got into oh, a yes. situation where he had a spread and one side of it got assigned. And for whatever reason, he didn't understand that the other side of the spread was protecting him. And so that lack of education and frankly, ignorance of the position and what was going on, you know, conceivably led him to kill himself. That's, that's what the, you know, the news. Yeah, was, he had like 70 right? grand or something. I'm not sure. I can't yeah, remember, so, but. <laughs> but, you know, like, but it wasn't actually a big deal if he just understood the, you know, what was happening, you know, right. what was actually happening in the position. So I feel like, there's a big part of me that says, you know, the most important thing that people can do, and even to use your friend as an example, though I don't know the situation, but just understand like what is going on. Like there's no rush. There, there's always another opportunity the next right. day. Right. That, that's that's no a great point. Always. To anything, <laughs> right. Nothing. There's no rush to get into anything. Um, so I feel like that's, you know, insanely important now is to, you know, to have that that backdrop of understanding is like, this is now life or death. You know, um, if you do this right, you'll probably do okay. If you do this wrong, like it has very much a domino impact on your life and your family. So um, no, that's a great point as well. 
So I know in March when the market started correcting, uh, uh, I, I, you know, that was one example, but I've heard from a lot of people, they were caught with their pants down. How did COVID affect your business as well as investments? Yeah. So, time? yeah. So we'll talk investments first. There's a lot of categories of it because we do a lot of stuff. Right. right? You do. <laughs> so, so the option side, we were pretty public last year at the end of last year, um, not only posting videos, but posting the research, very public about our opinions on the market being well overdone, clearly did not yes. know what was going to happen. But we started executing a VIX head strategy, so a tail end strategy oh, yes. at the end of last year. So needless to say, it would end up being good timing, you know, very lucky timing that we started doing that back in uh, October, November, and then the market crashed in, in March. And, right. you know, we, we survived that environment actually really good, like, you know, very small little blip drawdown, you know, a right. couple percent and done. And so we were good on that end. Real estate wise, um, we have student rentals, we have regular rentals, we have vacation right. rentals. The student rentals are still up in the air because- right classes are back or not. Vacation rentals. Yep. Uh, but we have syndications where we invest in mobile homes and other apartment buildings. Right. Those have been great. Uh, vacation rentals have been amazing because nobody's flying. So everyone's driving to vacation destinations. Um, those have been incredibly well. So, I mean, I mean, look, this is why you have a diversified portfolio. Right. Oh, yes. Some it's so important. Some things, you know, of work course. out well. Yeah. So, and then a couple little startup things that we invested in, you know, of course didn't survive that, you know, didn't have right. survive. So unfortunately, you know, those, uh, those kind of went bankrupt, but it is. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that's great. And, and by the way, I'm closing on my first mobile home park on Monday, nice. August 3rd. And then the senior housing facility in about 10 days. So, that's cool. That's very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, senior housing yeah. is nothing I have right now, but that's, I'm yeah. yeah, we should, we should chat about it. At yeah. some time. <laughs> so what's your recommendation about stock market in the near future? You have your crystal ball ready, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right over here. Right over here. Yeah. No, because I, I, I have the same uh, thinking as you and I know most of a lot of them, a lot of the people as well, that stock market is done. We think of that way, but that right now, just the free money, the inflation, the dollar devaluing, all of that is somehow keeping it up. But but what do you think? What what, what could happen? Yeah, I mean, like I reserve that that uh, prediction right to guys who are probably at a different level than me on on that end. I mean, my portfolio is such short duration that it turns over every month with new trades that I can okay. go wherever the market goes. However, I think that Ray Dalio's most recent piece yeah. about the devaluation of the currency and um, and any you know entity or government being able to not only devalue their currency but then pay their debts in their own you know dollar right, yeah. their debt, um, I think is really interesting yeah. because on the outside people would potentially look at this market and say this market's way too hot, which I think it is, and valuations are way too high, which I think they are, but we have an extremely aggressive Federal Reserve policy. Yes that seems to have no limit, and they've said that, they have no limit to what they can do or what they right. will do. And until the point at which the world stops accepting our dollars and you know market denominations change to a different currency, I feel like we're gonna see equity prices continue to um, you know, go through volatility, but continue to steadily rise until some other catalyst you know, breaks, that, breaks that back. So I think the moves in gold have been interesting. I think, you know, yeah. 
finally you're seeing some moves in like cryptocurrencies like yeah Bitcoin. finally yeah. man i got a yeah. lot <laughs> yeah so uh so i think that those are interesting but yeah. um you know at the end of the day we have no idea where it's gonna go so all right no that that's that's a great answer by the way <laughs> so let's take a quick break and after the break we'll go through fire round you're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have with me Kirk Duplessis. He's from Option. He's the CEO of Options Alpha. And we discussed about option strategy as well as how the you know stock market is reacting or may react. So, um, Kirk, are you ready for the fire round? Let's do it. Okay. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy after coronavirus? I think the only thing that we're changing is uh, we were pretty much already. Um, we were a remote company. We had a couple of people in a little office. We shut down that office. Um, you know, as a result of this, everyone's now remote completely. Um, but I think we've already started to make a shift in our business. Uh, you know, last year we started to become more of a soft software SaaS, you know, based business. Uh, so we'll continue to do that. Investing wise, no real change. I mean, like everything's pre-calculated for me. So it's just, uh, continuing to work it. I, you know, I feel like some of these all alternative, you know, currency type things like the cryptocurrency stuff. Um, I I'm fascinated by it. So I don't know where it'll go yet. It's, uh, it's definitely a hot news story, but as far as like market cap, you know, compared to everything else, it's still insanely small, but yeah, but, uh, it's nothing. But, yeah, but I'm watching it. I'm, I think right. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. So a uh, favorite uh, investment or finance or any other related thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I got a whole wall of them here. Honestly, <laughs> but, um, the ones that I would say are, are probably my big ones. Um, we did a, a interview with uh, Richard Hudson, who is the co-author of a book called The Misbehaviors of Markets. Okay. Um, and this was really the precursor to Nassim Taleb's The Black Swans. Mm -hmm. But I think people should understand, uh, and, and that would be one of my recent favorites, is people should truly understand um, the risk inherent and, and the fact that in many cases, models do not predict uh, the risk. It's why we saw the market crash, you know, and that was a, that crash statistically based on every, you know, financial model out there should have never happened ever in the history of humanity and the world. And, you know, <laughs> beyond the dinosaur, it should have never happened, but it did. So I think understanding those, those black swan events is, is extremely important. So I would say that one, I'm a big fan of the one thing by Gary Keller. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's um, amazing. I'm a big fan yeah. of, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, John Bishop. Um, and uh, his books um, as well. So yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. Okay, I'm gonna look up. <laughs> so any uh, tool or website you recommend other than Option Alpha? <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't do that right away. Um, you know, I think the, the interesting stuff that we're seeing now, um, you know, man, technology is moving so fast. Oh. Um, I think the, the whole no code development that is, that is really taking hold um, and I'm glad that we've been a part of this to some degree with, you know, like the foresight of seeing like how things will develop into no code, but there's a lot of websites that are being built and a lot of technology that's being built um, where it's basically giving people the ability to build the tools that they want to, you know, use. Um, I think anything in the no code environment right now is extremely fascinating um, and is, is really, really interesting to me. So that that's not one single website, but there's, 
there's a lot of that right. community that is starting to, to build. So, yeah. How do you give back? Giving back. So we do a lot with our uh, local YMCA. My wife's on the, the board of the YMCA um, here. So um, we're in a small town outside of Pittsburgh. There's not a lot of industry. There's not a lot of um, business in this town, you know, like, like a typical city, like your city, like in San Francisco. So oh, yeah. uh, we do a lot there. And then uh, we do a lot through our church and through other organizations that are through the church. That's great. How can my listeners reach out to you? Just head on over to Option Alpha. We have everything for free. All of our courses and training is totally free. Never have to pay us anything. Come in, use and abuse it as much as you want. Um, and uh, hopefully you get some good stuff. Thank you so much, Kirk. I thoroughly enjoyed the show. Have a great weekend. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.